watching the sun bake all of those tourists covered with oil strumming my six string on my front porch swing smell those shrimp Howdy, folks, and welcome. It is another edition of Internal Budget. Brandon Mackey, staff writer for Silver7Sends.com here with you. And we have a super special guest today. He is a Sportsnet reporter who actually got his start covering the Ottawa Senators. And not only that, he is descended from hockey royalty. His middle name is Margaritas, I believe. It's Mr. (laughs) Sean McKenzie. How are you, man? Thank you for doing it. That was way too high praise. Super special. Like we, maybe we'll go with special. Like we can keep it there, but super in front of it's too much for me. I don't deserve that. <laughs> so l- listen, man, you've been covering hockey through the lens of a pandemic since last yeah. summer now. Um, and not to throw you a, a curveball right off the bat, but yeah. are, are you used to it yet? Or is this something that is just never going to feel normal to you? Yeah, it, it's become routine. And I'm not saying it's a good routine, but it's become... I think it took a little bit in the bubble in the summer where going into that was like this big unknown where it was like, there was, first of all, it was the unknown of, are we going to play again? Is it going to happen? And then for my job perspective, it was the unknown of, will there even be rinkside hosts? Like, what does it look like as far as how close can we get to the players? And then once those details got ironed out and it took a couple of weeks of being in the bubble and like realizing like, okay, interviews are now done with this weird microphone that goes into a room and we talk in a separate room and we're on the upper concourse, nowhere down there. And it was like three months of that. So it took probably about a couple weeks to get into the actual routine of like showing up, doing it and knowing where to go, where to be and just how to kind of do your job differently. Like before, from my job's perspective, it was all about going into the dressing room and seeing things like seeing a guy switch stupid stuff like seeing a guy switch elbow pads or change his curve and like all of a sudden you're eliminated from that whole scenario so the stories that I like to find and the intriguing things you have to kind of either dig harder or accept that it's not going to be quite there for you the thing that I'm not used to though is just the like you never you get used to the lack of atmosphere during the game but for my job it's hard because like Prior, it was eight years of getting to the rink at 4.30 to do an interview and you're on the bench, you know, and you're waiting for that warm up and then you do a coach interview in the hallway and then, you know, at 6.30, you're on the bench and everyone's going crazy behind you, the music's pumping and then you do your broadcast opening and you're like kind of in with the fans and, you know, people are screaming at you, it's loud, it's exciting and now it's like, it's like 6.30 and I'm up in like five minutes for my first hit and I'm like kind of just dozing off like looking around because it's empty so that part I'm not used to at all there just isn't that liveliness but the actual day-to-day stuff is it's routine unfortunately but I, like I, I just can't wait to actually kind of people watch in the rink again right like see people coming yeah. in and see fans and all that kind of stuff so knock on wood uh, we get there eventually. What was that first broadcast like when you were first back um I believe it was in Toronto that you were in in the bubble right yeah yep. and uh you know the arena's empty like you've probably never seen anything like this in your career so what was that feeling like if you can describe it it was the most nervous I've been in a long time like there's still a lot of nerves to do this because like there's that simple feeling always when you're on camera like 
this could go horribly wrong and I could end up on YouTube and on a blooper reel. Like there's always that little thought and like the furthest back of your mind of like, okay, like just don't do that. Just, you know, do a good job and, and, and don't kind of be the main character on social media for that day. But uh, I remember um, we just kind of did like a rotation where it worked out, where there was about four of us that kind of worked in and, and, and in the rotation, I got the first Leafs game. And I think it was a Friday night and just like, there was so much hype building. It might've been a Sunday, actually. I think the Habs played on the Saturday. Either way, that's, that's, those are details that don't matter. And I remember looking at the oh, like I got the first, you know, Leafs game. It's a playoff game. And I've never really, I don't really do Leafs playoff games. So it was kind of a big honor to do that one, just the way the rotation fell. But I remember getting prepped and thinking like, this is the first Leafs game back in the middle of a pandemic to start the playoffs in a bubble with the whole world watching the whole hockey world, at least like, this is crazy. Like, you know, you hear Ron McLean talking in your ear, like getting set, like you're kind of like, you let the moment kind of get a hold of you. And sometimes you shouldn't, sometimes you want to act like, Hey, this is just every day, but it's hard not to. when you're sitting there going like, I know that there are millions and millions of people watching, which is not something I necessarily ever think of. So it was exciting because even though, like I said, you don't get that amped up fan, but in your head, you're thinking like, this is just so cool to be here. And I think we're always grateful because everyone going through you know everything that they went through in the summer and you know especially just having hockey back to have that feeling of like being able to do my job and being able to actually broadcast something that is entertaining people who are going through a tough time like that moment wasn't lost on me so I think it was like gratifying nerve-wracking exciting thrilling kind of all wrapped into one weird empty arena package it must have been such a weird thing to navigate because it's not even a situation where you can, you know, hit up your dad and say, Hey, do you have any advice for this? Because yeah. it's totally foreign. Um, is there any part of you though? And because, and I don't want to try to put a positive spin on, on COVID-19 because how could hey, we, we got to do something with it, right? We, yeah. I mean, so it, it, was there any part of you that was kind of going, you know what? I'll never get to do this again. This is one of those things that I'll be telling my grandkids about. Like, was there that kind of element to it or yeah. were you still just like finding yourself missing the fans and normal hockey? I, I think, yes. Like no matter what you're going to find that. But like I said, it, the moment wasn't lost on me that this is kind of like a once in a lifetime moment, maybe not for the better. It's not one of those ones that you look back on and go like, oh, I remember like, but I, I will look back on it and say that, but I'll, it'll be more of like, I remember that weird time, but yeah, you're the, the deep down there is that honor of, you know, even being a part of something like that, where, you know, the, the everything that's going on in the world around it. And, you know, you have the honor of being one of the few people that gets to be inside that rink broadcasting hockey. And, and those are the things that you kind of think of as it's going along. It's like, will I even be one of those people? Will I even get that opportunity? And how soon will I get to do my job? Because, you know, the, the, we did a lot of, web hits like we're doing right here on zoom and you know chats with chris johnson and stuff like that but you know for anyone who's done you know ringside or anyone who doesn't for that matter it's a totally different feeling it, it's exciting it's thrilling like when you hear ron mclean or you know jeff merrick or david amber in your ear kind of getting ready to throw to you for that broadcast opening like that's like you know that's our stepping on the ice moment it's that thrilling kind of exciting moment so yeah to to sit there and look around and kind of say like wow this is I'm getting to cover hockey in a bubble during the middle of a pandemic. I don't know if it was like, this is cool or this is just something I'll always remember. But yeah, like I said, the moment I was doing what I kind of normally do, but the moment was, was still in my head of like, I'll remember this forever. We were talking a little bit before the show about 
how your role is kind of that of a storyteller. Like yeah. you're looking for interesting stories to tell and things that you may not get from other parts of the broadcast or other parts of analysis. Yeah. Um, and we know that access to the players is harder to get these days and the yeah. locker room aspect of that journalism has been taken away. But what are some of the other challenges that COVID has presented to you in your role in terms of the way you cover the game? Um, number one, um, like you mentioned, it's the, the access. And, you know, for someone who, you know, I love chatting with guys. I love just seeing things. Like I always tell people, you know, that when I talk about this and someone might've watched it once on a, a broadcast a long time ago, but like, I remember I um, would have been when, when JVR and he was a fascinating guy to, to be around because, you know, you watch him on a day-to-day basis. And these are the things that I miss the most because you learn a lot about players when you get to go behind the scenes. And that's the one thing that I think I, I know I can say, and I think a lot of people in our business take for granted and have taken for granted now that we don't have it is the ability to see kind of not see what's going on behind the scenes. Cause you're not getting these dirty secrets. You're not, and I don't want anyone to think it's like, we know more than we're telling you, but the, the little minutia of the day, like how guys, you know, take morning skates, what they do, you know, with their sticks, what they do behind the scenes, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I remember seeing JVR sitting there and he had this bag of insoles and I didn't really know what it was. And it was like, he was cutting, he had a file folder, one of those brown manila file folders. And he was cutting out like an outline of a, of a, a heel. And I was like, I knew him pretty well. I was like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, oh, well, it's like an insole. I'm like, no, that's a file folder, James. Like <laughs> a paper. And he's like, yeah, but I'm like, what's in the bag? He's like, those are all my insoles. I'm like, can I see them? And like, he showed me and there was like a stack like this big and they were all, there was like sponge up to here. There was ones that were, you know, like rock solid there and they were varying degrees of width. And then it got down to like literally pieces of paper. And I'm like, why do you have that? And he's like, well, depending on the ice in the morning and what rink I'm at, I go out, test it. And depending on how soft or hard the ice is, I need like a, a, I need to lean forward more. So I put an insole here. Or I crank my foot up this way. And I'm like, that's strange, but amazing. Like, so, you know, it, it's a long way of saying I miss seeing stuff like that. Um, so the, the, that's the biggest challenge is still trying to come up with interesting stories. The challenge too, is the, I think for everyone, and I don't want to say mental health because that makes a light of it, but the kind of the, just the daily drag of zooms and um, you know, you don't get on the road, you don't get the atmosphere in the building, you don't get that feel that really amps you up. So it can be a little bit at times where it feels like you're groundhog day where you're going into an empty rink, you're sitting there. Like I said, it comes seven o'clock and you're about to go and you're like, Oh, I, I thought it was five. I don't know what time it was. Cause there's, those markers aren't there for you. So I think it's trying to get that energy, trying to get that hype and that excitement. And I, Look, I'm not an athlete, but I would imagine that some of the players would tell you the same thing, that that coming out to warm up moments, skating on the ice and getting, you know, booed or cheered is what kind of helps them get that energy up. So I think you just have to try to manufacture that a little bit more. But again, I'm super thankful to even be doing the job and be allowed in the rink and all that. But there's definitely challenges. And, you know, doing things from a distance is like during the bubble, we would, I don't know who watched it, but I would push a button. I would speak into a microphone in a separate room and it would go to a separate room and guys at first yeah. like where's and like you could ask when you're standing next to a guy just like when you're having a conversation it's like an email like tone gets lost so like if I want to ask a guy a funny question or a little off the cuff comment or maybe like a little like you know a guy that you know you might be able to make like well what were you thinking there like if you he sees you smiling and joking he'll play along but over the speaker you don't see that so sometimes you'd ask a funny question and they'd be like like you really asked me that but you'd be like yeah. oh, 
you didn't see my facial expression. So you had to learn how to do things differently with different tones, I think. At a company like Sportsnet, um, I'm wondering what the internal outlook is. Like, are you guys, I know this is, feels like a long way away, but are you preparing for, to be back to, if not normal, then like damn close to it in the fall? Or is it one of those things where it's day by day? I, I would say it's day by day simply because I don't know. I think that's probably for, you know, people way above my pay grade and, and, and maybe even people externally at the NHL and, uh, you know, at the government and, and people that make those decisions. I think all I can say is that we've, you know, throughout this pandemic, throughout the bubble, we had a lot of conference calls where it was, we're waiting to find out. We're waiting to find out. We, we think we'll have you guys here, but we're waiting to find out like it's, you know, it, can we travel? Can we cross the border? Um, like the next big one is playoffs. Like if the Leafs, you know, if the Leafs go far, where are they playing? Are they playing, you know, if they get to the third round or they get to the cup final, like, are they playing in Toronto? Or are they playing in Buffalo? Or are they playing in Detroit? Like, we don't know what the government's going to say as far as quarantine rules and can U S teams come, can the Leafs leave? So I think, and I, I feel so much for our bosses because they have to make these decisions like that would normally probably be like a year decision of like setting up broadcasts in certain locations and they're making them like this like they're finding out you know lockdowns are coming the next day just like we are and all that kind of stuff so the the amount of crazy decisions and planning they've had to do is super impressive uh so that's basically a long way of me saying that i don't know i'm optimistic that like at the start of next year with vaccines going and we'll have some fan action and we'll have more travel. Cause I, I miss, I miss going to like New York and eating at a nice restaurant and being yeah. at Madison square garden. Like that's a real part of the job that it's from a non-work perspective makes it really fun. And we haven't had that. So, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah. Wally and Mathod had Mark stone on their show today and they were yeah. talking about the exact same thing about how much <laughs> they miss. Like, you know, stoner was talking about how much he missed like eating out and stuff like that. Oh, like I just miss, I miss restaurants in my city. Like I'm, oh I miss God, going out yeah, and so on. Like I miss coming to Ottawa. Like I, have you ever been to Jatans in Ottawa? Jatans or whatever. I'm a Toronto guy. So, so okay. No, oh, yeah. are you based in Toronto? I am. Yeah. I did not know that. Why did I think you were in Ottawa for some reason? Everyone does, man. The senators thought that at one point. Yeah. <laughs> I, should, I should know these things. I'm an idiot. No, no, no. It's a little, little box in my Twitter bio, but, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah like, and I love like, even like I have such a salt, like I love going to Ottawa and it's like, I think it's cause I used to go to the world juniors with my old man and I, you know, Ottawa was that one stop where I was young enough to like really kind of like enjoy it. But I was old enough to like, you know, go have some fun and kind of get the whole experience. So I'll always have a soft spot for that West in Ottawa. Cause I remember staying there watching the wind gold and like, that's our hotel where we stay at. So like, I just missed, going to the Westin in Ottawa, driving out to Canada, believe it or not. And uh, like those little things that you think, oh, this is just routine. This is normal. Now I'm like what I would give to, you know, drive to Canada and sit in traffic for 45 minutes. Yeah, I've been to Ottawa a bunch of times and the arena never like dampers it for me. I love it there. I love the games. Yeah. Um, the, the big one I was there for, I tell this story all the time, but uh, I was in the building in the 2017 run in game five against the Rangers when they came back and tourists wanted yeah, yeah. overtime. Yep. And that was wild, man. Yeah. Like I've never heard an arena that loud in my life. But getting back to the kind of broader scope of the league, yeah. uh, one of the more unique aspects of the season has been the North Division. And I yeah. know you yourself were were excited to see what that was going to oh, yeah. look like. Since then, I'm wondering, has your opinion changed on it at all? 
or are you like one of the lunatics that's saying like, let's have this long-term? Cause I mean, I don't get those people, but. No, I don't want to see it long-term to be totally honest. I was very excited and I still do enjoy it, but I just think like anything, I just have fatigue of it. Yeah. Or like, it's just like what I would give for like a Panthers Leafs Tuesday night matchup. <laughs> so like something a weird something, thing, eh? Something that before I would be like, but cause I just, I miss seeing different players. I also missed like from a broadcast and work perspective, it was amazing because you got to like, you could look and be like, Oh, they're playing the same team three times. I can really dig in. But by that third game, you're like, I have no stories. I've covered all this. I've done every, like I miss having that turnover of being like, Oh, that guy did that last night against that other team. So we'll bring, we'll talk about that where it feels strictly from my perspective, a little repetitive. Um, it's just, yeah. And I miss seeing how these teams match up. Like I miss, being able to like, you know, look at the Leafs playing, you know, the Lightning or the Bruins or these teams out West and going like, okay, maybe they are as good as we think they are. Or maybe they aren't like and vice versa. So where I feel like there's so much unknown that we're just kind of sitting here watching teams spin their tires at times. And like, I, like, I don't know, are the Leafs a top three contender in the NHL? Like on paper and the standings and everything like, yes, but are they good enough to take on the top teams? Maybe not. We don't know. And I love how people argue this stuff on Twitter and I'm like, guys, we'll find out. Like you don't have to, you don't just scream at each other on Twitter right now because we will find out eventually. But yeah, I think what I would give for a little bit of cross division play right now, but the fact that it allowed it to happen and it did get as much hype. And I think it's going to heat up come playoff time. I think the fact we get those playoff series is really cool. I think just right now in the middle of this weird stretch, we're kind of just like, Oh, like it almost feels like the middle of a long season, right? We are just mm-hmm. like, like I'd be saying there's like no more games against the Panthers, no more random games against Columbus, like enough's enough where I think we get fatigued of anything. So I think it's just natural. Yeah. It's those, it was those Western road swings that have killed me. Like yeah. Ottawa had that one at the beginning of the year and it was worse because they were getting blown out every night. Like yeah. they were losing like six, nothing and seven, <laughs> one. And yeah. I'm staying up till 10 o'clock and getting up at like seven or eight the next morning. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's but, true. But, yeah. Like, yeah. Just treat, treating your body like crap to watch your team get beat yeah. up. <laughs> but, but you're right though. Like it has the fact that it's allowed us to have a season has been yeah. fantastic because that's and there are, there are those stretches where like the first game's heated and then you're pumped for the next one. You don't have yeah. to wait. Like those, like those are the moments where it has really followed through in what I hoped for. But then there are, I've covered some games where like, like those couple games against the Canucks early on in the season for the Leafs where like, they just like shelled them twice really bad. And the third game was just like a snooze fest and we had to cover them all. And I was just like, <laughs> no more. Like you just want to tap out. But again, like I, I, I hate complaining about things that, are just a, like it just sounds petty but yeah like it, it it gets a little boring at times there's been a lot of surprises in this north division though like you have a team like montreal who starts out red hot yeah. and then they kind of the wheels kind of fall off there vancouver and calgary i think a lot of people have been surprised by the way that they've struggled too what's been the biggest surprise about this season for you Ooh, that's a good question got me thinking about that one I would say Calgary, but I feel like they've been that team for a long time now that on paper looks like they could be something and then just can't seem to find it. Like they just can't seem to, you know, and I would say Vancouver because they were so great, but on paper they lost a lot. So anyone who wasn't looking at that closely saying they're going to do great. I didn't really believe because I was like, can that team actually be good? I think for me, it was 
the Habs starting as hot as they did and falling off. Like the way they were going, I genuinely thought like this team is a wagon. Like they're going to keep like this, they're not going to stop. Like just because I've covered the Habs so much and what we saw from them in the bubble, they're a team that just once they seem to dig in, guys like Gallagher and Weber, and they just don't seem to let up. And I think coming off how good they were in the bubble and then how good they started, I thought like this is, this is it. Like this is going to be, it's going to be the Leafs and Habs and they're going to battle it out. So I think the combination of, how much space the Leafs put on everyone early and how the Habs kind of just fell off that ladder uh, as quickly as they did was kind of my biggest surprise. Um, look, I, I, the Jets are right in the mix now, but for the longest time, it looked like the Leafs were going to win that division by you know 30 points. And I knew they'd be good, but I thought they'd still be that team that has some inconsistencies and you know was great one night, but would lose three or four in a row. And we've seen that last couple weeks but early on it was uh they were pretty dominant that isn't really a i didn't give you your sexy one big surprise answer because i just don't know if there was one like you know it uh and winnipeg is just winnipeg they just they just do what they do they they grind it away and they're underrated and uh so yeah if i said the leafs being as good as they were to start I know I would get roasted and I'd be called a leaf homer and everyone would hate me. So I kind of just sprinkled that in there for you. <laughs> you got to be careful what you say about Winnipeg. I referred to Winnipeg as a barren wasteland in one of my articles one time. And I got a message telling yeah. me to retract my statement about Winnipeg. Oh, well, like what do you get from the mayor? It was like the mayor of Winnipeg that sent it like a ceased and desist. Or right? <laughs> and that was all it said, retract your statement. Yeah, and like at that point, I'd be like, who wrote this? And am I scared? Should I, I be know. a little worried? I wanted I to say- in- yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I lived in Winnipeg. That was where I got my start in Ottawa, like kind of like, well, I did like it was that's where I actually cut my teeth and got real opportunities. But I got sent to cover the Jets. It was weird. Sportsnet was kind of like all over the map. With, are we going to send are we going to hire a Winnipeg reporter? Are we not? I was doing city hits and they sent me to like cover like I remember my, my boss, Mike English, just like a great guy, like just like a really good person. I remember him calling me in and saying like, I was doing like city TV hits and I, I wanted to be a reporter, but like, I didn't really know how to even make that leap. I thought maybe I'll just end up as an anchor because I was doing these like weird little city hits that don't exist anymore. And he called me and he's like, go to lease practice tomorrow and put me together a report. And I'm like, okay. Like he's, I'm like, what, like to run? He's like, probably not. No. He's like, I just want to see what I'm like. Okay, perfect. So I went and did it and like handed it off to him. And he's like, yeah, just come in tomorrow and we'll talk. I'm like, this is the most nerve wracking. And he come in, he's like, I like it. Do you want to go to Winnipeg? <laughs> and I'm like for like short term he's like no do you want to like move there and like cover the Jets and I was like yeah I guess I, I moved out there for like rented a condo got did my whole life got everything set up and like it was by the time they actually sent me out there there was like a month left in the season covered it for a month came home to cover the Leafs covered the Jays until basically September they kept me home the whole summer went back to Winnipeg for 12 days and then took Ian Mendez's job when he left. So I had like maybe a combined seven weeks living in Winnipeg. That's going to be a shock but, to the body going from Toronto summer to Winnipeg winter. Oh my man, God, man. Like, so I'll, and this, and again, I, I'm not ripping on Winnipeg, but anyone who knows or lives in Winnipeg will probably relate to this and understands, you know, what the feeling is like, but here's a kid coming from Toronto. Like I'm leaving all my buddies and, you know, Toronto's you know mild weather it's you know it's never really that cold I uh parents came down they helped me move in went to Ikea got my condo and my car wasn't shipped down yet so I had a rental car it was a Toyota Yaris 
like literally it was like this big and it was uh just an awful day out and i had to go drop my rental car off at the airport because my car was getting shipped the next day so like i'm freezing cold i'm not dressed appropriately my car got stuck in the main intersection of portage and rain and the lights are now going green all the ways and my tires are like spinning out and i literally like just almost started crying. Like I almost just like took my hands off the wheel, got out and I, I literally sat there and hung my head and like started tearing up for like 30 seconds. It was like, get it together, you idiot. And just like drove that Yaris <laughs> to the airport it was like, be tough, be tough. But there was a moment there where I was like, what am I doing here? I, I grew up in Sudbury, man. And it was like, for me, <laughs> it was the total opposite. Cause when I moved to Toronto, the city was like so big and so yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. I was like, ah, like what the hell yeah. is going on? But yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about um how hard it is to compare these other teams yep. across divisions i mean i don't even know what's going on in half yep. the other divisions in a normal year i'm watching yep. all the xns i'm watching yep. carlson stone you know you know the like uh but based on what you've seen from the canadian division because you've had a chance yep. to get a good look at everybody now are there teams other than the leafs that you think could make some noise in the playoffs because I'm, I'm betting you think the leafs are good enough to at least you know, yeah and rounds. you know I, I do think the leafs are finally just looking at them ready to make that jump. But again, I could be totally wrong. And someone could watch us and get mad at me and say, you're an idiot. Why would you say that? But we'll find out. Like, that's the great part about sports is, is we will find out. But I just think Thornton and Simmons have actually made a big impact beyond what people just say of adding leadership and the cliches. Like, I think he, those guys actually taught this team how to like, just forget about crap in the past. Like that Leafs team would go through tough stretches in years past and you just sense it. Like the, the, the feeling around them was just like palpable. Like you'd be like, this is, these guys aren't having fun, but like now, and again, we're not around this much, but we do get to watch practice. We do overhear things. You do talk to guys and like, just like there'd be a bad game. And like next day in practice, Joe Thornton would be yelling at guys like poking them. And like, these guys were light, like they were happy. And I think that was, was huge. So I do think mentally the Leafs can take that jump. And I think if they get hot, like they're a better defensive team, they do still have a few little moments where like, okay, really? Like, if they get over that hump and I felt they were that team last year, if they got past Columbus, they could have went deep for me. The jets are scary just because if Hellebuck gets hot, Mm -hmm. you don't know. And they're a team that just, I think they're coached. Well, I think they're gritty. I think they have good leadership. I think they're a team that has been on that cusp for a while where like it's either make or break soon. Like it's either like, is this the team that can make some noise or, or, or are they not? And I wouldn't rule out the Habs. Those are the three, obviously. And again, I'm not, telling secrets here it's you know the Leafs at the top I think the Jets are the next but the Habs are the wild card for me just like they were in the uh in the bubble again it it, to me it's it's Hellebuck and Price are are the big kickers and for the Leafs it's the other end it's you know will it be Anderson or will it be Campbell like well yeah will will a goal will a goalie steal it or will a goalie lose it and you know if you put up uh the Leafs playing great defensive and they're flying offensively versus you know carry price at his best and kind of a stingy Habs team you'd be tempted to take the Habs if the Leafs aren't getting goaltenders like it's just simple as that so I think the Habs to me are the real wild card and then the Leafs and the Jets are kind of like that safe pick of of teams that can make noise I don't want to devote too much time to the Leafs because I'm going to get canceled by Sen's Twitter but I, I, well, I me too <laughs> we'll, we'll but, be in the same boat together so I'll, I'll try to relay for after <laughs> that sounds good to me man but yeah I mean in terms of goaltending do you think they do anything? Can they do anything? Or do they just have to kind of see who's playing best out of Anderson yeah. and Campbell and run there? It's so hard. It's such a strange situation they're in because Anderson's a free agent. So like, I, like, what do you even 
get from how do you even make that move and and right now in a world where everyone's retained salary we want to keep we don't want to take anything on like who right now at this stage is is looking for a number one goalie who's injured with what we don't know is we don't know the injury right now it's kind of a a mystery to us so I don't really know if they can do anything but I think they might be in a better spot than people think because look everyone wants to run Anderson out of town everyone wants him dealt everyone wants him traded and they may have cause for that because he hasn't been at his best he's been one of the first guys to say that he hasn't been at his best um I think he now has competition in Jack Campbell which for Leaf fans I think they should be happy that if this was you know, last year, you well, we have to ride Freddie. We don't, we don't have an option. Michael Hutchinson, you know, obviously before Campbell came. So I think they're in a good position. Well, like, you know, what if, what if I told you a, a, a Sens goalie came in and played seven games and hadn't lost yet and was seven and out? Like, yeah. you know, it, 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 people in Toronto love to create controversy. It is something to monitor, but Jack Campbell hasn't lost yet. Okay, if he stays healthy, if, you know, he, he can ride this, then he's the number one guy. And if Freddie comes back and plays great, he's the number one guy. Again, these are things that I think play themselves out. I know we love in sports, in media fans, everyone, I'm not pointing any fingers. We love the drama of the situation, but it's a situation I think we have to wait and see and just let it play out. You know, like I said, if Campbell keeps rolling, you go with him. If, if, if Anderson comes in and feels like, you know, he needs that number one job back and plays like it, then you have a great problem and, and two guys going. And at the other end of the spectrum, we have Ottawa, <laughs> very far yep. from the Leafs this year. Yep. Uh, if I told you in your last year covering the Senators that this is what the team would look like in 2021, and I'm talking what they look like on the ice with the slick yep. New Jerseys, which are amazing. Um, right. It's so good. Finally. Finally, Just right? Finally. It's about time. It's been 13 years that fans have been calling for it. But anyway, I'm going to have a stroke if I talk about the jerseys again. <laughs> and, and, and we don't two, want that. No. And two, and the roster, like Carlson, yep. Stone, Turris, all the guys who are gone now. What Would would you have slapped me in the face if I had told you that's what the team was going to look like <laughs> yeah. at this point? Yes. If you told me like five years ago, like if you told me they would have traded or like got, got rid of Stone and allowed all these guys to walk and like, yeah, because – in a world where there isn't a whole lot of movement, like you look at guys like Eric Carlson and you're like, that's a lifelong sin when I was there. And, and, and look, it, it, do Sens fans look at him now and go, well, you know, maybe, you know, but like those guys don't come along. And, and that's, you know, in hindsight, all retrospective, if what could have been, what should have been, but like, those are guys that you just look at and you go like, the only way that guy's leaving is at the end of his career, if it's to go somewhere to play, to try to win a cup or something. Same with Mark Stone. Like that's our captain. Those are the easy hockey decisions that like even Connor McDavid in Edmonton, after all that he's gone through, you know, he signs that deal and you're like, that guy's going to be an Edmonton Oilers for a long time. Yeah, no brainer. How, how would he leave? Why would he go away? And you know, these guys in the sense weren't Connor McDavid because no one is, but just the thought of, letting guys like that go or seeing that much turnover with fan favorites with great hockey players it just it seems hard to wrap your head around and I'm not sitting here saying that I don't love everything that the Sens are right now even though the standings and they're a bit of a mess and and, and it's not you know positive time right now to be a Sens fan as far as strictly you know standings and results wise it's just hard to think of Mark Stone not still being there wearing the C being a guy that's leading that team until he decides he no longer wants to be a sin. Yeah. Thanks for that. I'm going to, you just made the decision on whether or not I'm going to drink tonight. But I mean, you, that let's, you were going to anyways. I just, <laughs> I, I made it a sad drinking instead of a happy drinking. 
the one conversation you already know me pretty well, well. it's like there's uh, it, yeah it depends like am i gonna drink this drink and feel a little bit of sorrow or am i gonna <laughs> sit and smile and go oh day was good it's just two different types of drinking <laughs> I mean, I would love to be a fly on the wall with some of the conversations that you probably have with your dad. Um, when that whole catastrophic teardown of this team was happening, did you at any point like talk to him and say, have you ever seen anything like this? Because I'm sure you you would want to get that kind yeah. of perspective, right? Like, I mean, you know, that's probably kind of no, a weird no. question to ask, but I'm just wondering if the, if that's like, if he even had an answer for you or you yourself can think of something that would compare because it still doesn't even feel you know, real sometimes here. And you know? it didn't feel real. Cause like, like I said, it, it's so strange. Cause you sometimes hear these rumblings with teams, like and you hear them all and the Leafs have it all the time with, and not to keep coming back to lease. It's just, it's my day-to-day job. It's just, it, 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 it's my reality. And so um, like you hear the little, and I'm not saying these are rumblings from inside the team, but like amongst fans and other fans saying, well, Austin Matthews is going to go to Arizona once his deal is done. Like, or like out of Pittsburgh where it's like, are the, are the Penguins shopping Sidney Crosby? Like, like little things like that. Like does Connor McDavid want out if they lose again? And you're always intrigued by it because it's, it's a headline. It's exciting. It's crazy to think of movement in the NHL. Like we see in the NBA, it would be awesome if Connor McDavid just, you know, picked up and said, you know what? i I want to go to the Leafs or I want to go out. Uh, I want to go play with Stamkos in Tampa. And like, and the Oilers had to trade him because in the NBA, that's what they do. They just decide like that would be amazing, but it's not the reality that we live in. So yeah, like you see these things and you kind of go, oh, you eye them out of the corner of your eye and go, oh, I'll keep an eye on that. And then you, then that's when I go to someone like my dad or, or even like someone like Chris Johnson or Elliot Friedman. Cause you know, I, I get to see those guys on a daily basis and I'm like, anything to that like really like so i'm sure and i i, I couldn't tell you the exact scenario because it was fairly long ago and we have so many conversations with so many stupid things over the course of our uh, our time probably over a few margaritas or some of his wine that i steal but i'm sure like at first i was like are they really you know stone really leaving are they really getting i'm sure he'd be like maybe because he he is a pretty good you know as people know he's a pretty good finger on the pulse of what's going on so sometimes he'd be like no that's not true but then i feel like all those things with the sends, they were like, yeah, it, it, it probably could happen. And they're actually looking at doing it. Like, and uh, so that's kind of the gist of what I remember. And more so because I spent a lot of time, not a lot of time. I spent my first kind of year in Ottawa and I got to know a lot of those guys. And, and we were talking before saying like of all the teams that I've kind of like covered, that was the one where I felt like, you know, in Ottawa felt, it felt like more of a little community with that media group and, and that team where you could sit and talk to a guy, but it felt like, again, it was hard to imagine that group ever splitting up and breaking off because they were, they just seemed so good together and they seemed so likable. And then, you know, it just, it's taken so many weird routes. So, yeah. So like, it just, it was more like, Oh, like I more kind of joking and laughing about, you know, Carlson going here, Carlson doing that. Cause he's a guy that I got to know a little bit. And I know my old man knows him pretty well too. And Mark Mathod at the same way, just such a good guy. So more talking about the personalities than, uh, than probably actual scenarios. Yeah. I mean, Wow. <laughs> how good was, how perfect was the Carlson apple eating moment oh, the other dude. day? Uh, yeah, it was like, like, <laughs> like it was, it was everything that is Carl it put into like a seven second clip. It was the, it was. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? And there were people who were saying like, oh, that's so 
arrogant or you know but if you know eric carlson and if you if you've had the pleasure of watching him and listening to him like we did for so many years in ottawa like that is like the most eric carlson thing and like yeah like and is he confident in himself absolutely is he blunt absolutely was that an amazing perfect answer yes and like we as media and fans always demand more from these guys. We want more personality. We want, but then like the moment it doesn't come across the way some people like, they're like, I, I don't like that. That's, that's cocky. That's not respectful. What do you expect from a guy who argues one of the greatest offensive defensemen ever to play the game in our generation? When he gets a question like that, like he's enjoying his apple. He's going to take another enjoying his apple. That's amazing. <laughs> and even then, even when he was first coming back to Ottawa, was it Ken Campbell who asked the question of like, the time is nigh or something yes, like that. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. He's yeah. like, okay, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> that was and just that's, so and Carlson. Like, yeah, and I, I don't pretend to be, like, good friends with Eric, but I, I I got to spend a lot of time with him in Ottawa and just, you know, you get on the plane and he's the guy that would, like, you know, take a shot at you. Like, he'd be the guy that, like, like one time I had Nexus and, you know, you weren't technically – and they, like, rushed me through the Nexus line, but, like, the team was waiting at this. And, like, I was like, no, 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 like, let let – team go and like they're like no you're up next like in like the tsa guys yelling at me so i'm like and like of course carl's like oh like oh big time and like then the whole airport's looking and you're like that's just him like he loves he just he's a huge personality and he's funny and he's engaging and like those are the guys that like anytime they do anything that gets press or is funny or unique like i i'm like all for it because i don't care if it was him giving attitude, like those are the guys we want more of. So like, it's like, bring it on. Like I'll never criticize. I'm also not an NHL player. I've never sat up there on a podium and been asked questions. So like, who am I to ever be like, that was cocky or that was arrogant. Yeah. Like he's, in, he, he's doing things that I can never even imagine. He's Eric Carlson. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, we've, I, seen, we've seen some kind of similar personalities and I know you haven't been as close to this. Yeah. Uh, iteration of the senators as you were the old one as the old guard but i mean do you see some of the kind of the same things in guys like brady kachuk and tim stutzler like there's already been yeah. some of those moments where they have the side by side of them laughing yeah. at each other through the penalty box class and, or and whatever, that's something right? i haven't seen in a while with the sense oh like, yeah that was something that like what it, it was just it it wasn't there because i feel like everything that the media was talking about everything that the fans were going through the players were going through as well like is Stone leaving? You know, is Carlson getting traded? Are what's 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 going to happen to us next that makes us the the spotlight of the NHL? What's you know? And I feel like guys kind of again, I'm not saying this from any inside knowledge, but it just felt like it was kind of like everyone was kind of cowering away from it, where it was like you know, not the best time to be an Ottawa Senator, and let's just not draw attention to ourselves. And that's just the feeling from outside that I got. And I'm sure fans felt that same way, right? It was almost yeah. like, what else can go, what else can happen to us? And I think the players seem to kind of get that, that, that feel and that vibe where it's like, let's just go to work, do it and go home. And I think anyone can, you know, understand that when things aren't going well, especially at your job, you just, you just want to go get it done and go home and to your wife and kids or your family. Or, and I think, you know, you maybe got a little bit of that sense, but now it seems like personalities are back in a market where the fans really want that. And, and it seems to be a market where engaging personalities are accepted. And there's this working in Toronto, it's almost like guys, it's so hard to describe. And, and, and again, I, I can get trouble even saying these things, but it seems like, certain guys do things in Toronto and they're like hated for it. Like Austin Matthews wears a weird hat and like, that's not a, like I've never seen such a white collar city in Toronto or such a, yeah. White collar city despise white collar players. Like they, yeah. they didn't like Phil Kessel 
but they love Darcy Tucker and Ty Domi and Wendell Clark. But then like Phil Kessel goes to Pittsburgh and they love him there. Like the most like blue collar, hardworking city that like, loves are like, so that dynamic, I've never like, they're like, Oh, Mitch Marner is wearing a Red Bull hat. He doesn't take the game seriously. Like there, and there's that fan base everywhere. And I'm not knocking Leaf fans, but I just get the sense that that doesn't seem as strong in Ottawa where they want guys to be fun and engaging. And they look for those things to be, you know, and I feel like that wasn't there for a long time where now it's like, you know, it's back, like the Sen Sicko stuff. Like it just, there's such a, not a small community, but it is, it feels more, Sens fans feel a little bit more like a family than some huge big conglomerate oh, yeah. fighting all the time and yelling at each other and arguing over stuff that shouldn't even really be a, a topic. And that's why I love working in Ottawa. I love covering that team. And yeah, I feel like we're back to kind of having some fun with the Sens and having moments that are really, truly kind of cool. And, you know, the, the Chuck Stutz stuff is, uh, is just kind of the perfect example of that. Your point about the the white collar fan base kind of loving the yep. blue collar players more. That's really interesting because I think in a lot of ways, Ottawa is the antithesis of that. Yep. But at the same time, there have been guys who really endeared themselves to the fan base just by their personality and their play style yep. alone. Like a guy like Mark Borowiecki yep. deleted Twitter because the fans were yeah. so hard on him and then fans start hearing him speak about yeah. social justice and, and, and his leadership, yeah. like in the locker room. And then all of a sudden there's this huge outcry yeah. when Mark Borowiecki's not re-signed by the team. Yeah. Right. Like, was that, was that a kind of sentiment that you noticed when you were covering the Sens or was that, um, is that something that you think has developed through what this fan base has been through and yeah. you know maybe even started the genesis of the Sens sickos yeah, and, thing. And right? I think the biggest thing that the Sens did so well back when I covered them and it's it, it's crazy and it was almost to a fault maybe at times and it's gonna sound weird to say because it almost seems like the opposite's happening because we just talked about Carlson leaving a stone, but it almost seemed like there was like and, and maybe this was under Brian Murray because it was such a family and it was so you know the way things were around him it was like it was almost loyal to a fault. Like Chris Neal was going to get ice time. You know, Chris Phillips was going to be out there and he was going to finish his career as a send, no matter what. Like, and those were things that I feel like built that kind of like real fan base there. And so I feel like it kind of strayed away from that. It just got negative and like probably, you know, almost the opposite where, you know, a guy like Mark Borowiecki getting the minutes that he did always getting in the lineup. I feel like it was almost like enough's enough. Like again, and this, I'm just kind of, talking here because it's kind of just what I've felt over the years and I might be entirely wrong I'm just kind of speaking as someone who you know almost as a fan of someone who's been around the Sens and really actually likes that fan base and likes the city and likes the team but maybe it was almost like okay enough with the loyalty let's get some guys to win let's and I think that comes with just frustration of being a losing team and going through everything that you go through but that's the great thing about the Sens fans is that they can at the same time have that frustration but then learn about the guy and go, wow, okay, maybe, maybe we do love him. You know, maybe he does bring something where some fan bases, once they're done with a guy, it's like, I don't care. There's no coming back from, from me not liking him as a player. I don't care if he saves baby ducks crossing the street. Like it's, I feel like the Sens fans can actually kind of change and adapt and see something and go, you know, maybe, and there's outliers and, you know, not everyone's going to do that, but I feel like the Sens and correct me if I'm wrong, Sens fans like something as a whole. There isn't this, there doesn't seem to be much of a divide. Like if the Sens fans don't like something, they don't like it. If they love it, they kind of all love it. Like, and I don't want to generalize, but maybe I'm wrong on that. But no, I, th I think you're spot on. Um, 
there was a lot of frustration with, I don't want to say the old regime of the organization because mm-hmm. the, the large parts of it, like Eugene Melnick and Pierre Dorian yeah. and whatnot, they're, they're still there. But a few years ago when the stone trade was happening and the last days of the teardown were, were going on, um, you know, they did different things. Um, Amy Desiel Diesel, I think her name was, and, uh, and Nick Ruskowski were like, you know, putting surveys out to fans and they were having these town halls and, and they maintained that um, the new generation of fans or whatever liked the contemporary 3D logo. And yep. you have the vast majority of Senators fans will go in, well, who are you talking to? You know, yeah. because like if you, you took, take one look at Twitter, um, yep. you know, and then they had the same things like, you know, about confidence and ownership. Meanwhile, you have Melnick out billboards popping up all yep. over the city. So, but no, I, I think you are right about the kind of collective nature of the yep. fan base because, you know, and that's one thing that, you know, we were talking a little earlier, like, I, I don't think the fan base gets enough credit in that regard, just because of how passionate they are and not to go off on too much of a tangent, no. but, it, but if you remember the 2017 run and when they weren't selling out games and people were blasting them and they were like, I think, even yep. Sid, I think even Sid Sixero had a huge yeah. rant on Tim yeah. and Sid about the people of Ottawa. Right. And it's like, well, the Phoenix pay system debacles going on at the same yeah. time. And you're getting mad at people in a government college town for not going to a game yeah. on a weeknight. You know, it's like, and, and and that's the thing is like the, there's always focus on that. But for me, the sense fans, just like the loyalty is insane. Like the loyalty is just like, look at what they've been through. right? Like, well, that's what I mean. Like, and the fact, and I understand like that they've been through it. Some fans just threw their hats and said, I'm done. Like, and I'm sure there have been some, but like, it's almost like you guys have great moments together and suffer together where it's like, if you're in as a Sens fan, it, it's not casual. Like there, like there, I'm sure there are, there's casual fans everywhere, but like Leafs have casual fans all over the world where oh, I'm a Leafs fan. Like it's the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, who do you cheer for? I'm, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm a Lakers fan where, you know, it's, it's the big conglomerates, but like, it almost feels like being a part of, you know, Sens nation is being in on something it's you know it's indie it's hipster it's cool it's like and that's what i love about it where you guys all seem connected you guys all seem to like and literally know each other like you go to twitter and you guys every sens fan i know knows you know is friends with ian mendez and like is friends with you is friend like it's just it's 90 degrees of separation and it just seems like you guys have this cool sounding board amongst yourselves where like you're all kind of on board with the same thing which is amazing and mm. and maybe that's going through tough times this brought you guys together oh it is like i i have never seen a fan base in any sport be a lot of people think the lowest moment in the senators rebuild was when carlson was traded yep. it wasn't it was after stone was traded yeah yep. because that that was the guy right yep. like that was the captain yep. that was the dude mark stone and i mean i will maintain this until the day i die was the most universally beloved Ottawa Senator yeah. I've ever seen. Cause Alfie had his, you know, this Alfie had his detractors. Yep. Carlson always had oh, his detractors, always, yep. right? Stone. You couldn't find anyone saying yep. a bad word about that guy ever. Yep. And, um, and, and not to, not to, but it's almost like, no, it's almost like the way Carlson and those guys get the detractors. Cause they make things look so easy. Yeah. Where I feel like it's William Nylander in Toronto where, you know, people just can't fathom a guy making something look so easy is working his hardest. And maybe they don't because they're so talented, but it's like you, you have to have those elite talents. But Stone, on the other hand, was heart and soul, was captain. He was gritty. He was everything that a hockey fan loves. And I, at me, like I look at the guy and I'm like, that's a man. 
Like just in, <laughs> in the sense that, like that is a hockey player captain, yeah. like the hair, everything. He's just that. Yeah. He's, he's just a, a hockey player. Mm-hmm. And people gave Carlson grief for like his defensive performances. Sometimes like the guy had one partner, one solid partner during his yeah. tenure in Ottawa was yeah. Mark Mathot. Right. And, and what, like, what more do you want? Do you want him to be Shea Weber, a shutdown, stay at home guy, and then score you and get you a hundred assists? Like, no, like, you know, just, you take the good with the bad. And nobody was what, complaining in 2017. Right. No. Like, and when the good outweighs the bad and you have a guy with that much personality who not only that, but a guy who loves the city, who still lives there, like that, those are the, cra- that's the thing that was crazy about some of those moves is like, it wasn't a guy being like, no, I want to go to Manhattan. I want to go to LA. I want to sit on the beach. Like these guys are guys that I think love the city. Like they weren't looking for the bright lights and the glamor and, you know, they, they still moved on their way and, you know, not to keep diving back into that. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah, It's a guy that still comes back to Ottawa and you probably, if there was blues fest on, he'd probably be the front row, you know, hanging out with his, you know, and I'm friends with a lot of his friends in Ottawa. And like, he's, a down to earth, cool guy who hangs out with people who live in Ottawa and work in Ottawa. And like, that's, I think that's why fans probably saw a lot of them still love him. Cause he's, you know, he still reps the city. Mm-hmm. There's a picture last summer of Mark Stone and Kyle Turris and a bunch of guys yep. going, getting dinner in Ottawa, yeah, you know, after yeah. the season's yep. over. It's like, but yeah, listen, man, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Cause I know you got I, a lot I, of stuff I got, going on and it's Thursday, Thursday night, the least are out of town. <laughs> I'm sitting in my car. I got nothing going on, man. I'll let you get some yep. beers in a minute, but, uh, but yeah, the, the whole send sickos thing, I do want to touch on that because that started yep. as a Twitter bit, you know? Um, and I do want to make sure that we do mention that, you know, at least partially, because I think yep. that's the best indicator of how this fan base has handled things, right? It's a self-deprecating yep. bit. It's literally saying you have to be yep. a sick person to cheer for this team and it's yep. taking pride in it. It's a badge of honor. And I think that has been something that this fan base has had to latch onto, um, you know, and you know this as well as I do, like, especially being in your position in the media, right? Like you've seen like the highest of highs with this team and the lowest of lows. And for some reason, the lows have always outnumbered the highs. And I think, I think it was like 10 years of frustration almost. Right. Because if you look at 2011 or 2010, they should have committed to a rebuild. They didn't 2015 or 2015. Yeah. They got saved by the Hamburglar run. That should have been a bottom tier lottery team. And that probably set them back more than anything. Right. So do you think it's that kind of thing that where the buildup of frustration has contributed to? Yeah. And that's now? the thing. It's like, you guys are all in this boat of suffering together. And I think that's what brings in just in life. I think that's what brings people together, but especially in, in sports fandom. And there's almost those moments where it goes from almost like, let's, let's see how it goes. Okay. It's not that bad. Okay. It, it sucks. You know, we're not enjoying this. We're, we're miserable to, okay, this is really starting to hurt and I'm miserable, then to almost it being funny. And I feel like Sens fans have gone through that like, oh, yeah. so much where it got to the point where it was like, we're all in this together. Like it became, you guys were the joke, but you were all in on the joke as well. Where like, and that's where I feel like the Sens sicko thing is, comes from, right? It's like, you need to get to this point as a Sens fan, you need to be a sick individual. And that's what I mean by like, you guys are all so connected, which which is what amazes me is like, you know, the, there's so many fan bases that are just so big and so spread out and they have so many different opinions and so many different takes on things. And I know I keep kind of repeating myself with that. And like, then they argue amongst each other. And there's not to say there is that amongst every fan base that, you know, that's not, but I don't see that as much with Ottawa. I don't see that they're 
and the, the even when the, there is clashing or it seems like it's polite and you know it's like friends arguing not so much like heated battles and uh yeah so i think you know um it just seems like you guys are all all, all in this together like the same boat of suffering and the same you know you guys have gone through it together and you don't really clash very often with you know opinions and you know it, it's just really kind of kind of cool to see that uh it's like hey we've you know we've kind of been at the lowest of lows together and now we're hopefully kind of climbing up and, and, and getting back to a better place. So I, I just love Sens fans and they can take jokes. They can, you know, they, they're self-deprecating. It's not, it's never too serious, but the fandom and the passion serious, which, which is nice. Cause like, you know, you deal with some fans where you make a joke or you say the wrong thing and you're like, well, sort like I, but that doesn't seem to, to get with Sens fans. Cause they seem to be in on the joke as, as well with you have to be man hey listen this has been amazing thank you so much for doing it uh i really do appreciate it like i said i know despite what you say you got a lot going on and uh <laughs> so i really do appreciate it man thank you oh brandon absolutely anytime man this has been fun mm-hmm. tell the people where they can find you on the socials before i let you go right uh sean mckenzie sn on twitter and sean mckenzie 89 on instagram and tiktok tiktok is my thing I'm, i have a the worst tiktok addiction ever you got good content on there, man. You're doing well. Better than me, that's for sure. Man, it's just so random. Like, I love being, you put something out and, like, you don't know if it's going to get one view or it's going to have, like, 600,000 and then people are going to be going, like, crazy and insulting you and telling you're ugly and you're stupid. And But that's that's a, the joy of it. It's, uh, it's like catch lightning in a bottle. Next thing you know, you never know. I'll be doing TikTok dances in L.A. at one of those houses. Maybe that's the next profession after Sportsnet. (laughs) Folks, thanks for listening. Make sure you like the podcast, share it with your friends, download, subscribe, rate five stars, all that fun stuff, little things that go a long way. Really appreciate it. Make sure you follow Sean on everything, and we'll catch you next week for the next episode of Internal Budget. Take care.